Welcome to the Unconventional Dyad Podcast, where you'll find broad topics, an unconventional dyad, and one shared goal. Educating ourselves through challenging and engaging conversations. Your hosts are Carly and Laura, two graduate students and friends committed to having discussions that are real, raw, and unpolished. Thank you for joining us. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. My name's Laura, and I'm here with my co-host, Carly. Hi. Hey, Carly. How's it going? It's going all right. How are you? Good. I'm really excited to be doing this with you. Me too. I think this was a long time coming, and I feel like things just are ready to be done. So here we are. Yes, here we are. Should we give our... um currently non-existent listeners a little (laughs) insight into why we're doing this who we are um yeah where do you want to start yeah so I along with Laura um, we're fourth year graduate students in clinical psychology and we are currently um applying to internship I feel like the pandemic has really changed the way that we are viewing psychology and mm-hmm. viewing how we look at social justice, how we just think of, think of a lot of different things. And we've been wanting to do a podcast for, for a long time. And I just feel like now's the, the best time to do it. I think we both have a lot to say. I feel like these conversations need to be had, whether or not it's through a podcast or wherever else. So. Absolutely. Yeah. We, Yeah, we both have a lot to say. We both spend a lot of time talking to each other. So I feel like this is a great opportunity for us to just get, you know, get this out there somehow, make it a productive thing. Um, So I totally agree with you. Um, I guess, too, we should maybe talk about what our podcast is going to focus on, look at, what kind of topics we're going to explore. I think we're mostly going to focus on a lot of mental health uh, topics, right, and uh, topics in the field of psychology, but I think we also want to branch out a little bit and talk about other things. Like, I know we're both really passionate about climate change, social justice, um, women's issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you were talking about wanting to potentially bring on guests and, like, interview them. I think that's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what else? what else do you want to add to that? I think those topics are great. I also really want to bring in really uncomfortable topics that oftentimes people either avoid talking about or when they do talk about it, make it very polished. And Mm -hmm. both of us at some point or another, maybe each episode might say something that needs to be corrected. And we really want our listeners to witness or bear witness to, um, you know, us messing up and us needing to be corrected. And I feel like these uncomfortable conversations need to happen. And we had this idea that we didn't want it to be too polished. We don't want to do too much editing. I just feel like that's the great thing about listening to these Mm -hmm. types of conversations is it's not polished and we are going to make mistakes and we are going to say things that we probably shouldn't say, but being okay with being corrected and making those kind of correctional experiences, I think is going to be really kind of fun for us and maybe fun for our listeners to hear too. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I love what you're saying about not being polished, being um, authentic and raw and real. Um, We were talking before we hit record about how a lot of the podcasts we listen to are very polished, Mm -hmm. Um, very, you know, they probably have like a whole production team behind them, you know? (laughs) Um, And I think it is going to be pretty refreshing to do something that's just genuine. Um, And I love that you're willing to make mistakes. I'm pretty willing to make mistakes too. I I mean, I make mistakes on a daily basis. So um, I think this will be a good opportunity for us to have some real conversations about things Mm -hmm. that we would normally not really want to touch. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited about that for sure. And Mm -hmm. I think too, like I was telling you before we hit record, um, I just feel like, especially in the field of mental health, there's a certain amount of silence that's expected, um, a certain amount of perfectionism that's expected. And I feel like we need to start breaking away from that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. I feel really strongly about that. I actually feel really anxious in class because I feel like I want to talk about things that are unacceptable and I want to bring in topics that are unacceptable and I feel like I to some extent need to be silent on those topics because it's not it's not something that people are comfortable talking about it's not something that we often talk about whether it's um, you know sexual harassment whether it's Mm -hmm. supervision whether it's social justice doing assessments stuff like that I think man we don't talk about it enough and we and we need to we need to talk about it Absolutely. Especially as people who are training to be psychologists, therapists, mental health clinicians, like this, this kind of stuff is so important to engage in. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like we don't engage in that enough, um, especially in our classes. And I don't know if that's, you know, that's just something that happens at our school or if it's a wider issue, I'm willing to bet that it's a wider issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. So you want to maybe talk a little bit about who we are and yeah. kind of how we came to be? Yes, absolutely. So um, Carly and I both started the same program um, at the same time. So it's mm-hmm. a five-year doctoral program um, in clinical psychology. Um, and we just kind of, I feel like we just kind of hit it off from the first time we really started interacting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're really similar in a lot of ways. We're also very different, but like we just mesh well, mesh really well together. Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel like in some ways, like our cohort, I don't know. I feel like maybe us two are a a little bit of outsiders in our cohort. I feel that way too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I used to, I used to really don't, I used to not like that. But yeah. I think I've, I th- through time, I've been more comfortable with just being kind of the odd one <laughs> or the different one. I've just accepted it at this point. Yeah. I'm kind of embracing it too. Like it's, yeah. it's fine. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be best friends with everybody. I think when I was younger, when I was growing up, when I was in college, like I was so obsessed with having friends and being mm-hmm. liked. And I think I'm finally at a point in my life where I'm just like, you know what, if my only friend is Carly, then cool. Like, I know we have a great friendship. Um, I know we support each other a lot and like, that's enough for me. Um, so yeah. So I feel like, yeah, we started, I can't even remember the first time we really talked to each other or what our first conversation was like or anything. Um, 
Yeah, I feel like my first memory of you was, I think, orientation at orientation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think we were all going around in a circle. Our school is pretty small. So we were all going around in a circle talking about like who we are, where we came from, what our background is. Um, And for some reason, you like really stood out to me as somebody I wanted to talk to. Um, I think probably because you mentioned that you were in another doctorate program before Mm. that. And I was like, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. Like, I definitely (laughs) want to talk to her about that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, to start us off, I mean, are there any parts of your identity that you think are important to talk about for our listeners? Anything that you want to share or that you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, for sure. Um, Gosh, there's just so many parts of my identity. Um, Well, I guess I'll start with one of the one of the major features of my identity um, that I identify with most is the fact that I'm an immigrant. Um, Like that just kind of colors every single aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was born in Romania. And I lived in a few different countries and and I moved to the United States when I was 13. Um, And so I've talked to you about this, like my national identity is kind of up in the air. I mean, I'm technically an American citizen. I very much feel like an American citizen most of the time. Um, But yeah, I I would say my one of the biggest features of my identity is that I'm an immigrant. Um, I guess another one is... Um, just being a a female, a woman um, is another big part of my identity. I'm just becoming more comfortable with that aspect of myself. Um, My whiteness, I am a white female, um, Eastern European. So like that is something that I'm trying to explore more of, um, especially after this year and all the, you know, all the incidents that we've been keeping up with. Um, Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's really important for me to recognize how my whiteness um, impacts my everyday life, how it impacts other people, um, how it creates privilege for me, um, mm-hmm. how it allows access to different resources for me that other people don't have. Um, so that's another big one. Yeah, I guess I also consider myself like an activist, um, just in general, social activist, mm-hmm. um, but also like climate activist. Those are my mm-hmm. two activist identities I guess Um, and then another big part of my identity is just my spirituality Um, I think that's been evolving um, a lot like over the last couple years Um, so that's become a big part of who I am as well and the way I I view the world Um, what about you what what are your major identities I'm also a white woman I think similar to you I've been thinking about that a lot more and what that means to be a white woman especially being the one to some extent holding the power in the relationship really how that plays into working with people of color um, Mm -hmm. you know underrepresented populations what that means to be in the same room as someone and also the one to some extent holding the power Mm -hmm. reflecting a lot on that Something I don't share with my clients and I don't really share with my classmates either, but I'm not really ashamed of it. Um, I also identify as a um, atheist. So I grew up in a mm-hmm. Lutheran home. Um, I actually have a, I'm fascinated with religion. I have a minor in mm-hmm. religious studies from undergrad and I really enjoy religion, but I don't identify with any one God, any one religion. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily consider myself spiritual, but I do practice mindfulness. I, I love Eastern philosophy, Buddhist philosophy, mm-hmm. and I try to keep up on the latest of that. I really find yeah. that really interesting, and I really try to incorporate that in my own life. Um, I guess I'm curious when your political identity really started developing or if you feel like it's always been a part of who you are. I've always grown up in a very accepting household, whether that's your sexual identity, sexual orientation, gender identity, but also more social issues too beyond that. I feel like mm-hmm. I my family was pretty accepting of most people and that was really uncommon in my community. Yeah. And to be honest, I I mean I attended church at least once a week, maybe twice a week. Uh-huh. I did confirmation, you know, communion, everything. And I think I was in about fifth grade and I really started to question the Bible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my poor mm-hmm. pastor did not enjoy me in his classes. But it re- it really got me thinking about why why things are the way they are. And I really started to mm-hmm. question what it meant to be religious um mm-hmm. and that's kind of when it started i think i started to really be curious about these different identities yeah. and what it meant to be religious what it meant to be liberal i had no idea what that was when mm-hmm. i was a little girl i mm-hmm. really i could not care less but then around fifth grade i started to get curious about it That's so interesting. Yeah, I feel like, well, first of all, you're just a really introspective person in general. Um, So I think maybe your introspection kind of started a little earlier than most for most people. Uh, But yeah, that's such an interesting age. It's like, it's like that period of time when you're, I don't know when you went through puberty, but I was a pretty late bloomer. And I feel like around that time Mm. was really when you know things opened up Mm. for me and I I started thinking about things differently as well um but yeah you're like on the cusp of you know adolescence (laughs) and you're trying to figure out the world around you and I guess another identity that I didn't mention that I I was thinking of um as I was listening to you talk is the identity of just being like a lifelong Mm. learner or a student Mm. And I feel like I didn't mention that because to me, that is so ingrained. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so a part of who I am. And I'm sure you can relate too. I mean, you pretty much have another doctrine, a whole nother field. Like you've, you've been in school for a long time. I know you as somebody who's very uh, curious, somebody who's very intellectual, someone who really likes learning. Um, so I think you can relate to this. Like, I just feel like being a learner for me and a student um, is very much maybe one of the most defining um, aspects of my identity. Um, what, how do you feel yeah, about I, that? I'm curious about what what interests you and what you yearn for in terms of learning. Are there specific areas or specific topics mm. that you feel really compelled to learn more about? Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'm curious about pretty much anything and everything. Um I think if I were to look for a theme, though, it's more about, it's more about like, I don't want to say self-improvement, but it's more about understanding the self, understanding other people, which is probably why I'm in psychology. Like, I've always been super curious about that. 
um, I'm just really interested in human beings um, and human relationships and why people interact with each other the way they do, why they relate to each other the way they do, um, family dynamics, you know, intergenerational trauma, even when I'm, so I also really like another identity that I'm thinking of. Um, I also really like writing and I know you do too. And I think we're both, you know, pretty big writers. Um, I know I like to write a lot of creative pieces. Um, my favorite genre to write in is uh, like realistic fiction or coming of age kind of stories. Mm-hmm. I'm very much into writing short stories and I'm actually currently working on um, a piece right now that I've been working on for a while, but who knows if it'll ever, if I'll ever be done with it. Um, but yeah, I just, even in my writing, even in, in my creative pieces and my fiction, um, I'm still exploring kind of like human dynamics. Um, so I think that's my number one. I think that's probably my number one uh, focus when it comes to learning. But there's other things too, like like we talked about, climate change is something that I'm, you know, doing my dissertation on. That's something I'm always looking to learn about. Um, spirituality too, more so in recent years. Um, like similar to you, I'm really interested in different religions too. You actually got me into Buddhism <laughs> a little bit, at least secular mm-hmm. Buddhism I'm very interested in. Um, but yeah, just looking at the way people worship, looking mm-hmm. at the way people um, think about the divine or think about, um, you know, what our purpose on this earth is, um, what the meaning of life is, like big kind of big questions like mm-hmm. that. I really like looking into. Um, and I think in another life, I probably would have been a philosophy major, um, but just didn't get around to it in this life. So, <laughs> yeah. What about you? What's your like learner identity? I I love reading about psychoanalysis. I mm-hmm. just really get a lot of enjoyment out of reading. Not all stuff. Some of it is hard for me to digest, but I would say a yes. lot of it, especially more contemporary psychoanalysis, intersubjective, interpersonal. But I also really like mm-hmm. a lot of classical stuff. Freud. I have a hard time with reading Freud, but I do enjoy kind of touching on it here and there. I can't read too much of yeah. it at one time. I also love uh, historical fiction. I really enjoy that. I love history. There's this really good history podcast that I listen to. And I just, I really enjoy history. And I hated that class in college. I didn't like the classes in high school. But I just, I wonder if it was just the way that it's taught. Because the topics are fascinating. And learning about this is fascinating. So I've revisited a lot of history lately so that's mm-hmm. really cool um do you have like a favorite um time period that you like to study or a favorite area of the world um i love i mean anything scandinavian is interesting to me mm-hmm. so i love learning about you know norse gods and kind of the the battles that went down between them and the just the English and I find that really yeah. fascinating but I also really like learning about World War II and just mm. women in general I think women do not get their place in history books very often and yeah. I really am compelled to learn more about these really strong powerful women that don't get their places in history books I think 
they have amazing stories and yeah gives me a little bit of hope too that things can change history can change and though we can't go back and change history we can definitely change how we talk about it and women need their place Mm -hmm. women need their place and in the history books too that is such a good way to say it yeah we can't change history but we can change the way we Mm -hmm. talk about it and I think that informs our Mm -hmm. future you know um so that's really cool I love that and I didn't know that you wrote so much I did not really yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know what's funny I feel like sometimes I just assume that you know certain things about me because like for example you're super into music I'm Mm -hmm. super into music you know we both like singing and and I don't know if you do you do songwriting when I when I was a kid did I did sing? I I haven't yeah. written songs I like poetry but I've never put it to music yeah yeah that's right that's right yeah so I just kind of <laughs> assume like oh yeah we both have this interest like I'm sure we've talked about it at some point but I guess we really mm-hmm. haven't um yeah no I've when I was a kid, actually, my my dream was to become just an mm. author, like a published author and to write novels and do that for a living. And to be completely honest, that's still kind of a dream, you know, like at some point I want to publish. Um, I've had short stories published, but nothing too big or major. Um, and like my dream would be to just publish like a fictional novel, um, at least one, preferably more. That would be but... so cool. I had no idea yeah it's so funny because I know recently too you were like I you looked at my Instagram because you Mm -hmm. just got on Instagram recently and you're like I didn't even know you did music like that (laughs) and I'm like wow I clearly do not share stuff about myself well and that just goes back to Um, the we're compelled to stay silent and we're compelled to hide parts of ourselves that are actually big parts of our identity being a musician yeah you have phenomenal music and I had no idea I we're, we're good Thank friends you. and we we yeah. don't talk about those things that we're actually really good at yes no we don't what do you think what do you think that's all about I think there's a lot of reasons I think women in general and some men too of course and and ugh, I, I think we're just really we have a hard time talking about things that we're good at I've been noticing yeah. that more and more now that we're applying to internship and coming up with strengths. I'm like, I listen well. I can oh reflect gosh, yeah. what someone is saying, but I really need help coming up with strengths because I yeah. honestly don't really know. And it's so funny because my supervisors are like, come on, you you know your strengths. And I'm like, I really don't. And I, it's hard. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny too, because I think you're so right. And then it's hilarious that our supervisors and our mentors just kind of assume that we know what our strengths are and that we know how to talk Mm -hmm. about them, even though we have never been taught how to do that. Um, And I think, I mean, not only, I was never taught in my family. I was actually Mm -hmm. discouraged um, growing up from talking about my strengths I was always told to be humble. Humility is number mm-hmm. one. You never want to, you know, toot your own horn. Um, but I also think we don't, we're not taught how to do that in graduate school either. We're just kind of expected mm-hmm. to know. Um, how do you think we change that as women? I've had conversations with all of my supervisors telling them I need help talking about my strengths. And that yeah. was hard. Because I 
really don't know what my clinical strengths yeah. are. I know what my strengths are as a human, but mm-hmm. clinical programs, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Internship programs, I don't know if they want to hear what, what we're good at as human beings, but how we're going to fit within the right. program, what our strengths are as a clinician, as a therapist, as someone who's doing yeah. assessments. It's, I, what are your thoughts about that? What, how, how do you, how do you yeah. have that conversation with someone? I don't know that I have. That <laughs> to be it takes honest. some bravery. Um, I was nervous as heck it bringing does. it up because I didn't know what their response was going to be. <laughs> but I did get some. Well, and there you go. Mm-hmm. That's exactly why I think there's a fear around talking about that. Um, yeah. And I also think like personally for me, I'm just terrified of looking mm-hmm. arrogant. I am terrified of coming off as like having a big ego um, I don't know. And again, I think part of that has to do with my mm-hmm. upbringing. Part of that has to do with society's, um, you know, silencing mm-hmm. of women, our own silencing of ourselves. Um, but I don't know. I think, honestly, I think one way to overcome that is to do kind of what mm-hmm. we're doing now, um, talking about it, but then also encouraging each mm-hmm. other. Um, like Carly, I'm not even kidding you. You're going to think I'm so crazy. Um, I, I was on Reddit the other day. Um, I love Reddit. I usually just like lurk on there and I read people's posts, but I was on this, um, psychology like subreddit and people were asking for, um, advice on how to apply to clinical Mm. programs and what that's like and they feel unsure of themselves and you know they're not sure if they're cut out for the field and they don't have experience etc mm-hmm. etc et mm-hmm. I actually mentioned <laughs> you like I didn't mention <laughs> by name but I actually wrote in there um I said you know one of my friends um in my program she was you know she was um getting her doctor in something completely mm-hmm. different like a completely different field and she came into our field and not only did she get into our clinical program, but she, I, these were my words, like word for word. I said, she is one of um, the most incredible psychoanalysts that I've ever mm-hmm. met. And it's so, it kind of makes me sad that we don't share mm-hmm. that with each other, not just us two, but like, you know, women in general and, and human beings in general don't share that mm-hmm. with each other. Um on a regular basis like I was thinking about even professors that we love and we me you and I talk about those professors like at length and how incredible Mm -hmm. they are and how how much they have impacted us and I thought about it the other day and I was like I I don't think we really share that and I wonder if those professors even know I wonder if they even know how much how important they are to us um so all that is to say, like, I think we need to share more of that with each mm-hmm. other. That brings me back to, there was one moment in supervision when my supervisor said something along the lines of, something along the lines of, I think you're going to be a really good psychologist. Mm-hmm. And I started yeah. bawling. I, that was, I think that was the first time I've ever cried. And I've cried a few different times in yeah. supervision for various reasons. But that response to that was so mm-hmm. I couldn't handle it and yeah I think I'm reluctant to share that with other people because I don't want them to feel as though you know mm-hmm. it was so hard for me to hear and I don't I was gonna a, say I'm always reluctant to share because there's a sense of intimacy with that right? when you share yes. something 
that you appreciate someone you're very thankful for that other person it's very intimate and I think I'm getting better at it but ultimately I yeah I I broke down crying when he said that and yeah do you think what do you think was um so difficult for you to hear in that I am still reflecting on that yeah I'm okay receiving that from people I aren't that I'm not too close to so mm-hmm. you know even acquaintances or professors if they say mm-hmm. something I'm like yeah thanks it's really kind but if it's someone you really yeah. care about and someone that you really respect it was really meaningful and mm-hmm. I don't think we hear it enough I mean you shared it yourself and and I grew up in a really yeah I wouldn't I want to say a similar home but a home where we don't really share that kind of stuff with one another yeah the fact that it was shared in a pretty intimate space and something that I'm mm-hmm. pretty insecure about. When I first started training, I thought I sucked. I mm-hmm. thought I, I had a lot of work to do. I didn't know much. And mm. the fact that he would say that, I'm like, holy smokes, maybe this is true. And it kind of, yeah, it was almost a weight off of my shoulders because I was pretending to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then when he actually said it, it made it much more real. Like, maybe I do have a chance in this profession absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah I wonder about imposter Mm. syndrome too like I feel like that's huge in grad schools in general and in academia in general um I wonder what that's been like for you feeling like an imposter I'm also really curious about what you have to say about this too so I was in the sciences I was in biology Mm -hmm. for my master's degree and then I went on to a evolutionary biology and ecology program for a PhD Mm -hmm. And I have never felt more like an imposter in specifically yeah. in the biological sciences. I felt like I had to work so much harder than everyone else. Things did not come easy, yeah. easy to me. I had to work really hard and I felt like I didn't belong there. I, something changed when I went into clinical psychology. I still didn't mm-hmm. feel as though I didn't feel too much like an imposter, but I just felt like I, I needed to listen really hard. So I got all the information. Yeah. I didn't want to miss anything. And yes. I know that you were in education before this, and I'm curious if you felt similarly as though your imposter syndrome changed from one program to another. Mm. I hadn't thought about if it changed. I think I've always felt like an imposter, and I wonder if part of that just comes from my experience growing up. Like, I moved around a lot, um, and I was quite literally an imposter mm-hmm. in a lot of different cultures. Like, I had to figure out how to fit mm-hmm. in. Um mm-hmm you know, in, in countries where I was the minority, um, at the time. And so I, I think uh, for me, a lot of it is just like, as a human being, I feel like an imposter sometimes in certain, uh, spaces, but I think, I don't know, to answer your question, I feel like I definitely a hundred percent felt like a huge imposter as an educator, as a teacher. So I taught high school English for a while. Um, And that was probably one of the hardest Mm -hmm. things I've ever done. Um, And I think for me, the imposter syndrome has lessened a little bit. And I think that just comes with confidence Mm -hmm. um, and with being able to take on challenges um, and be successful in them. Um, So I think now I still feel like an imposter from time to time. I still feel like I'm faking it um, when I'm doing clinical work. 
But this year is maybe the first time where I felt more confident in my abilities as a therapist. Um, And a huge part of that was just the two practicum sites that I just finished recently, Um, having like termination Mm -hmm. sessions with my clients there and just the incredible things they were telling me. Um, I mean, these were truly individuals who owe me nothing um, and who don't have to, you know, say anything that they don't Mm -hmm. mean. Um, and they, some of them just said some, some of the most beautiful things I've ever heard (laughs) in my life. Um, and that really helped my confidence. And I, I really felt for the first time, like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think it's going to be something that I'm going to struggle with, um, for the rest of my life, probably to a, to a certain Mm -hmm. extent. Yeah. Are you noticing any differences now as you're starting to think about internship, as you're starting to write your essays? Are you feeling some more of that imposter syndrome coming in, feeling as though you don't belong, feeling as though you have to prove your worth, prove prove your presence? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think just anything that's competitive mm. makes me feel yeah. that way. And this feels like one of the most competitive things that I'm going to yeah. have to do and that I'm going to have to engage in. Um, just because, yeah, it, it's some of the places I'm applying to, um, like VAs, for example, that would be my absolute dream. If I could get an internship in a VA, I mean, I would just die, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, they're so competitive, yeah. um, especially the ones that I'm applying to. And I'm just so scared that I won't stand out from other yeah. people. Um, so yeah, anything that that's that competitive to me makes me feel pretty mm-hmm. insecure. Um, what about you? Do you feel more sure of yourself now or less sure of yourself? This brings me back to our first year at our program and we were applying to practicum sites <laughs> and Laura and I, I know what you're going to yes, say. Laura yes. and I went into our <laughs> director of clinical training, went into her office. I, we may have been in tears. I don't remember about, I was going to say, I'm pretty okay. sure I was crying. Yeah, I, I might've been yeah. too, where we were both like, we're afraid that we aren't going to get practicum sites. We're, we're afraid no one's going to want us. And I think both of us got into every place that we applied to. Yep. <laughs> yep. Including a VA placement for me, which I was like, I'm definitely not getting. Um, that's not to say we're going to have that experience again. Oh, I wish. <laughs> but I think we really have to reflect back and just, we don't necessarily have to convince ourselves, but just to remember that. Oftentimes we aren't the best judges of ourselves and we sometimes have to rely on other people to really reflect back who we are and kind of our strengths. And I'm hoping that like you, that I stand out at least a little bit where yeah. someone will give me a chance. I, I feel like that a lot. I, I feel as though if people just give me a chance and I felt like that my whole life, you know, I wasn't highly educated coming out of high school. I couldn't really read very well. Mm-hmm. And people have always given me chances and I've always, I always met what they were asking of me and yes. I really hope this happens again. I hope that someone e- even gives me a chance for a one-on-one interview. Absolutely. Um, that's really all I'm asking for. That's such an interesting point. That makes me think of um, just how many people hope for that chance their whole mm-hmm. life and don't necessarily get it because they don't 
you know, because they're not in a specific body or they don't have a specific skin type or, mm-hmm. you know, or they, they have a weird name or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they, they never get to get to put their foot in the door. Yeah. Um, so I'm so glad you brought that up. And I, I want to point out too, Carly, that um, not only have people given you chances, but you've been so willing to take them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just see you as somebody who takes opportunities and runs with them like you're not someone who's gonna waste an opportunity (laughs) so I think if you do get a chance I mean that's all it takes you're gonna be you know you're gonna do incredible well we can talk about that maybe on a later episode about work-life balance yeah oh god yeah we do when I'm given a chance I feel as though I have to take it because I haven't been given many chances in terms of educational chances um you know i we can talk about this at a later time too, but I have a learning disability that really held me back for a long time. And I feel as though the very few people who initially in my early on in my life who gave me chances, I, I have to at least email them once a year, thanking them for taking me on as a student. I don't know how I got into some of these universities with my grades. They were not great. And by giving people chances, and this is not just me personally, but gosh, I would love to talk about this in another episode in terms of these hidden identities and really giving people a chance to show you who they are, I think can be really powerful. And if you give someone a chance, if you give someone hope, if you provide support, I feel like most people will flourish in that environment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That gave me chills. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Like if you get a chance, you have to take it. Mm-hmm. I relate to that so much. Um, yeah, I wonder I wonder how many other people feel the same or if it's like a Ooh. female thing or um, if women are more likely to feel that because I totally agree. It's like, I can't say no. And maybe this is another episode too that we mm-hmm. can do it on, like saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, only this year have I ever said no to Mm -hmm. anyone at my school asking me to do anything Mm -hmm. and I actually said no to the president of our school uh one time and I can't I'm still shocked that I did that but it you know it concerned the pandemic and it concerned my health um Mm -hmm. and I I didn't feel safe saying yes um and she Mm -hmm. was totally incredible and understanding about it but yeah just saying no and not taking yeah yeah I feel like we could go so so far with that topic Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I do feel like sometimes I have to take every opportunity that comes my way. And that's probably not the healthiest, not the healthiest. Yeah. Well, did you have anything else that you wanted to make sure we tell our, our non-existent listeners (laughs) about us, about our podcast? I'm just hoping to cover a lot of different topics, a lot of uncomfortable topics, a lot of fun topics and I really hope that we get feedback from our listeners at you know, what they enjoyed, what they want to hear more of, because mm-hmm. I think both of us are pretty flexible for the most oh, part. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely willing to cover things that we didn't really have on the, on the menu. So Absolutely. To yeah. I'm totally open to that. Um, yeah. I mean, we are pretty, I mean, <laughs> we got on this recording today with like no, virtually no plans. So mm-hmm. we're pretty open and flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was wondering if maybe, and we can totally talk about this, but if we could maybe end our episodes with something fun that we're into, um, 
like books or movies or shows or hobbies, activities? What do you think? There are too many to mention, but <laughs> if I had to choose just one, yeah. I I did the artwork for the podcast yesterday. Yes, you did. That was super fun. I I love drawing and yeah, being able to really have an outlet for it for the podcast, I think really got me excited to start drawing again. Yes. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have one of, so for our listeners, I have one of Carly's um, paintings in my home office. You know, the ballerina one? that you Oh, the ballerina. Yes. A long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, when the pandemic started, I set up my office in the basement of my mm-hmm. house. Um, and I put that up and I, that was one of the first things I thought of when I was doing my office. I was like, oh, this is the perfect, like, I finally found the perfect place for it. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're super into, you're a very artistic person just in general, but mm-hmm. yeah. You, I've noticed that you've been into like drawing, painting, mm-hmm. um, visual expression, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think for me, so this is totally not as exciting as yours because <laughs> the TV show, um, it's on Netflix. Gosh, I forgot what it's called. I think it's like the world's toughest prisons, maybe. Ooh. Um, except they had a few episodes in that series about prisons that um, really focus on rehabilitation and therapy. And there was an episode I recently watched about a prison in Germany. And oh my goodness, Carly, you would like, you should watch that episode if you haven't seen it because you would, you would really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. It was just like talking about the kind of um, like individual therapy and group therapy that people were involved in. Um, It showed like (laughs) sessions um, mm-hmm. And some of these individuals, I mean, they're convicted of really serious crimes, murder, rape, um, armed robbery. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go through this program um, ah. for a few years. And it was just fascinating. It really made me think about our prison system. Yes. And just how completely stupid it is. Like we don't do we do very little to help mm-hmm. individuals um who have committed serious crimes we i don't think we do a good job of rehabilitating prisoners at all um and i just wish it really made me wish that we could um spend just more of our efforts on therapeutic work mm-hmm. um, i mean there was one scene in that in that episode where one of the um one of the prisoners was sitting in the middle of a circle of all the other inmates his fellow inmates and they were all quizzing him on his crime and asking him why he did what he did asking him to think through his actions confronting him with reasons why he didn't have to handle that interaction that got him into prison the way that he handled it and it was oh my gosh it was just so interesting um and you could tell that the guy was very like he came in kind of defensive and you could tell by mm -hmm. the end he was so impacted by what they had to say and he was almost kind of like emotionally worn down. I really felt bad for him. Um, like they did not hold back. Not, no, they mm-hmm. did not hold back. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I've been into lately. Um, I tried to watch some of the other episodes that were not therapeutic and were just like really horrendous prison systems, and I couldn't. Mm. It was so awful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that's what I've I would been love into. to watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would recommend it for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess anything else that you want to add before we end today? 
I can't think of anything. I'm really looking forward to future episodes. And I feel like this conversation has really germinated a lot of ideas and topics. And I am really excited for the season or the, the episodes to come. So I can't wait. Maybe to season two. You. I don't know. I was going to say, seasons, I think, we but should, episodes. yeah, we should definitely keep that, <laughs> keep that out there. Um, yeah. I'm so excited, Carly. Yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful, honestly, that you're so ready to jump into this and mm-hmm. so willing to do this with me. Um, I've, I've uh, suggested podcasts to some of my other friends too and a lot of them are just so mm-hmm. nervous to get, which is fine. I totally understand mm-hmm. that. But it's just cool to do this with somebody who's like, yep, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not a big deal. We'll get started. We'll have fun mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really refreshing. So I'm super mm-hmm. excited to be doing this with you. Me too. Thanks so much, Carly. All right. We'll, uh, we'll be back soon with more episodes. Sounds great. Unconventional Dyad podcast listeners. We are so excited that you are joining the conversation with us. If you're liking what you're hearing and you would like to support the podcast, there are a few different ways to do that. We have a Patreon page now. So if you visit patreon.com slash unconventional dyad, you can support us through four different support tiers. You can also support us through the Anchor app. There's a support function and you can choose from three different tiers from as little as 99 cents per month. We really hope that you are liking the content so far. You can also check out our website where we post weekly blogs that you can comment on. And we hope that you join in the conversation with us. Let us know what you think.